Well, um, this, is, this is actually one of my favorite texts from Scripture, certainly one of my favorite mission-oriented texts, which calls us out beyond ourselves. And I want to start for just a few minutes by, by helping you understand the background of this text. It's always under, important to understand what's going on in the lives of the Israelites and what we're reading. And so, actually, we've caught the Israelites in a very confusing place this morning. Um, They have just been released from this Babylonian exile. They've been in exile for 50 years away from their homeland. They've been able to return home. And this is supposed to be this joyful time of rebuilding their homes, of rebuilding their lives. They've started to worship God. They've started these days of fasting. And as soon as they come home, they're immediately confronted by a prophet who begins to speak against them. And if you read the beginning portions of Isaiah 58 when you're home or during this week in your, um, in your own prayer times, you'll hear those condemning words from the prophet. And essentially the prophet says that God is not pleased with you. The message version of the Bible says that they were busy, busy, busy with worship. They loved to study about God. They looked from all intensive purposes to be a people who were a just nation, but yet their actions didn't match their words and didn't match these surface-level things that they were doing. So the prophet begins to speak out against them and essentially accuse them of slacktivism. Who has heard of that word before? Raise your hand. I had high hopes for you 930 folks. You guys need to spend more time on Facebook, apparently. All right, so they've been accused of slacktivism from the prophet. And the prophet is saying it's that... Your actions and your life is not matching up. Your lives are not transformed. I want to define that word for you. You can write it down. You can go home and you cannot pull that 20-year-old Webster's Dictionary off the shelf. This is a a term that was coined by the millennial generation. You have to go to Urban Dictionary or you have to look it up on Webster's, at least online. Something new and up-to-date. And the definition of this word is this. It's a melding of the words slacker and activism. So the word is usually considered a pejorative term that describes feel-good measures in support of an issue or social cause that have little physical or practical effect other than to make the person doing it feel satisfied that they have contributed. The concept is simple. Low-cost efforts and investments substituting for substantive action. So when you dump a bucket of ice over your head in support of ALS research, but then you don't donate to ALS research, or you don't take the next step to figure out more about what is ALS and how can I make a difference in the lives of folks suffering from it. That, my friends, is slacktivism. Can you say that together? That is slacktivism. Okay. When you, uh, I'm going to give you one more example. When you sign that online petition to boycott the overuse of fossil fuels, but then you refuse to actually change your own lifestyle and how many fossil fuels you consume. That That is slacktivism. And the point of today's scripture is that God is not into slacktivism. God wants our words and our actions to line up with our Facebook likes and our lifestyles. And the line that always gets me in Isaiah 58 comes from verse 10. It says, Start giving yourselves to the down and out, and then your lives will glow in the darkness. 
if we truly give ourselves, now we're talking about our whole selves, not just our cast-off, out-of-date, worn-out clothing or those cans of green beans from the pantry that nobody in your family was going to eat anyway, but your whole self, your time, your resources, your money, your gifts, your energy, then God will work in your lives in such a way that you will glow in the darkness. That's the promise, and that's the challenge of the scripture for this morning. So it's fitting that today we're celebrating 50 years as a church in missions. And so as a part of this celebration and to line up with this scripture, we want to spend a few moments telling you the stories of some individuals whose lives glow in the darkness out of the life of this church. We've taken to calling them our glowworms here. So if we call you a glowworm, it's a good thing, all right? Because you're somebody that glows with the light of Christ. So we want, to, we want you to hear about some of these glowworms. I'm still struggling with that term, actually, because I'm a child of the 90s who grew up playing with glowworms. So I'll warm up to it by 11 o'clock. But the first story of somebody whose lives is, lines up with Isaiah 58 is of Dottie Davis Clark. Some of you might know her name. Some of you might not. But she was at the church over 35 years ago, and she had this dream that our youth in this church would be heavily involved in hands-on mission and ministry. And so she took the first team of kids on the Appalachian Service Project just as a hope that something might connect. And this year we will be taking our 35th team for 35 years on ASP to the Appalachian Service Project. We've actually sent 15 of our youth out of the life of this church to serve on staff at ASP and countless other children and adults have been involved. Um, even our youngest children have gotten involved in ASP. Coming up in just a moment is a picture. Not that of, young child. <laughs> is a picture of Ella. And here we go. That's Ella. And she, Ella is four years old. And she heard that our youth were doing this mission with ASP. And she also had this deep desire to help somebody who um, either didn't have a home or whose home was not safe and warm. And so what she did is she went home and she baked some homemade cookies and she brought them to the ASP service auction, which was raising money for this mission project. And she helped auction those cookies off herself and then walked them to the donor who paid a very nice price, I would add, for a batch of homemade cookies. And she put all of that money back into the Appalachian Service Project, which supported our youth. Now, back in 1989, this church sponsored its very first volunteers and mission team. And in part, that effort was uh, inspired by what the youth were already doing. So the youth were, came first, and then, then the VIM crew came second. And the first team went to Grenada. There was actually an individual, Matt Merker, who, was a, who went a year earlier, part of a larger district or conference team. But the very first team went to Grenada. And I had such fun this week looking back at pictures and hearing stories of people like uh, T. Cromwell t describing an earthquake in Jamaica that they felt when they were down there. Uh, stories about going to Moscow or Unalaska or to Juneau to build churches, do home repair down in the Gulf after Katrina. There were so many mission projects, and you saw them during the operatory time today. You saw that long, long list at the end. All of these places that, that folks from this church went to glow with the light of Christ. Mel Merritt was in a lot of those, as you can imagine. He was the organizer. He was, he was an ambassador for this congregation, involved in the conference level as well. And we've been sending teams out for the last 26 years 
uh, out to Utah and up to Pennsylvania and down to Tennessee and all kinds of places. And we'll send teams out again this summer to Costa Rica and then also up to Pennsylvania and out to Utah again. Just amazing. Now, though, that doesn't just happen. It requires a lot of support and crazy hats like this. We just came through another yard sale to raise money for volunteers and mission. And um, I think of the witness of our glowworms, Don Dresser and uh, Cecil Wells, who are part of that whole team of folks on the home front that raise funds and are committed here to supporting that kind of work. I think about our glowing locally here, Ted Matheson and others are involved, but he's on the board right now, of SPAN. SPAN just down the street on Benfield. We think about going all over the world, and literally this church has gone all over the world, but we've got to be in ministry right here in Severna Park as well. And so we serve our neighbors, serving people across neighborhoods is what we do right here with uh, emergency relief. We get phone calls all the time in our congregation. There are canned goods. There's a food pantry down at the Lutheran Church just down Benfield. But we were a supporting and founding uh, partner of this ministry 25 years ago. And that's an important commitment that we keep day to day in this place. Not just special occasions. We're not just sending a team out. It's sending teams of people out in this community. We do also support global missionaries. And how many of you recognize this? Uh, this couple. Anybody remember them from the 1990s? These are the Hoovers, Jeff and Ellen Hoover. What's interesting is my congregation in Bethesda used to support the Hoovers as well. So they had come to speak uh, at my church there, and I'm sure they've spoken here over the years, uh, doing all kinds of teaching at the university level and health care down in Africa. And they've been in the Congo and Zaire. You recognize these young missionaries sent out? Anybody know these folks? The Bennetts? Lacey and Josh Bennett, who were on a mission to China a couple of years ago. And how about the Wycliffe Bible Translation Ministry that's been going on for a lot of years and supporting the work of Bruce and Heather Beale as they're doing the work to, to bring the gospel to people who's, uh, who have not heard it yet because it's not been translated into their particular dialect or their particular uh, language. And so we have been a supporter of that kind of ministry directly through the support of the Beals. We have a trio of glowworms at Heaven's Kitchen. Many of you have heard of Heaven's Kitchen, but what you might not know is that it started about five years ago um, with Catherine Nutil and Mike Nutil and Barry James, who when Carpenter's Kitchen, which is where we served food in Baltimore, was closing, they came together and they said that we cannot be a church without being a part of serving folks who are hungry. They had heard the call of the scriptures, and so they started Heaven's Kitchen, which now is so much more than just a meal ministry out of Brooklyn, Maryland. It offers Christ-like hospitality. There's a clothing ministry. There's a pantry ministry out of Heaven's Kitchen. And, of course, there's real relationships that are being formed there every time we go down to Heaven's Kitchen. We have a picture right here on the left is Marlena Summers. Marlena is a member of this church and a Girl Scout who heard about Heaven's Kitchen and wanted to participate. And so she created a a ministry out of her Girl Scout troop in which she would go and specifically minister to the kids that came in the door to receive a meal. And for months, Marlena has been down at Heaven's Kitchen reading books to kids, coloring with them, playing games, and making sure that they had a safe, warm, and welcome space to come to as they received a meal. As we continue to talk about ministry with kids, who are some of the most vulnerable amongst us and in our communities, uh, there's a picture here of Norma Graver. Some of you might know her, some of you might not. She is one of our 
are glowworms who is behind the scenes, as many of you are. But I was actually pushing a, uh, I was in the grocery store a couple weeks ago, and I got behind this woman with this full cart of food, and I realized that it was Norma. And she was shopping for the Backpack Buddies program, which you heard about this morning. She has spent countless hours packing and unpacking groceries, clipping coupons, finding the right deals, all to make sure that those 20 kids that we sponsor in Brooklyn, Maryland, don't go hungry on the weekends. Our United Methodist women have also poured their life and mission into the life of children in this area. There's um, some photos in just a minute of the United Methodist women bringing backpacks full of school supplies um, items to the local schools at the beginning of the school year. Each year they pack about 70 or more backpacks that go to local children so that they can get a fresh start on the school year. Actually, the United Methodist women have been in mission since their charter date in this church, which was November 11, 1968. And they have been doing things behind the scenes quietly and faithfully to serve God and serve others um, throughout the years. These are some old pictures of them that we found, particularly that one. That's very special. The last couple that we want to talk about that's been serving children out of the life of this church is Bob and Catherine Geisler. They've been doing similar work, but it's happening halfway around the globe, particularly in Guatemala. The Geislers brought the Center for Children and Aging to our church many years ago and began to talk about the powerful impact you can have when you sponsor a child or somebody who is elderly that can no longer fully support themselves. And so through their work for, through CFCA in this church, we now have sponsored over 80 children and folks who are elderly, particularly in Guatemala, um, out of the life of this church to ensure that they can have proper education, and housing, and food, and nutrition. You probably recognize this transformation of our fellowship hall into the host facility for winter relief. But one of the other ways we've been reaching out to people living out in the cold and out in the elements are those people that don't come into shelters. Uh, Barry James and Jerry McNerney have had a real heart for those folks and have been involved with a tent ministry, providing tents, sleeping bags, firewood through the roughest months of the winter. And then, of course, we've been opening up our own fellowship hall and our whole church facility here, uh, welcoming people, guests during winter relief. That means cooking, that means providing uh, bed, bedding, that means uh, providing entertainment, food, uh, clothing at times. I think of all of the volunteers that takes place. I, certainly Carolyn and Pam do a wonderful job of glowing with the spirit of Christ. They organize it, uh, but it takes a whole community to help us remember that we are all fragile and we're all human. I think of these pictures on the, on the cots that I caught this past year, and we all have families, and we all have people we love, and we all have lives that aren't just defined by our circumstances. And one of the great things about this ministry is it's been able to connect people face-to-face uh, -face and person-to-person. -person. It's been a way that we could glow and also receive the glow of Christ in others. You'll recognize some of this. Uh, there, there was a dream and a vision. Jean Allert is one of those people that just glows with the Spirit of Christ. And she invited the church to get involved with a man by the name of Tom Yu, another witness for Christ, up on Wilkins Avenue. And I, had, I have a guarantee that you had no idea where that commitment was taking you a few years ago. No idea what this outreach to women on the streets would be like. Randy Rutledge probably has no idea what he would be getting involved with. Randy's been providing legal counsel to Living Well on Wilkins as we've now expanded and, and owned this ministry and, and formed a 501c3. And his, uh, his work and his professional skills 
have been an, an outstanding witness for Christ, a way of taking his professional training and offering it in service to God and service to Christ. So now that we have a place to offer to others as well. And now you see scenes of uh, uh, Kathy offering welcome. This is welcome home that happens at the airport. A welcome home ministry of cards that go out. And also some of you have written cards, I know. And uh, and of Kathy and Hayward and the all group have been really instrumental in providing this ministry as we're welcoming home our vets with love and dignity and respect back at the airport. There have been other people in our congregation who have provided welcome in their own homes. We have people in this congregation who are fostering children, for example, and offering that kind of care in their homes for somebody who needs it. I think about the ministry of someone like Lynn Weber and her whole team of people uh, that provide a welcome space during uh, uh, a time of a memorial service that's here at the church and providing that kitchen care, uh, caloric love, I like to call it. I have just two last stories I want to share with you that highlight people like you and like me who are in the pews every Sunday who see a problem and see a need and feel called to just do something about it. And so they step up and find a way. The first is of, of Mara Van Callahan. Mara is one of our youth. And she was really young, actually, in 2010 when the earthquakes hit Haiti. Um, but she felt so called to do something. Now, Mara didn't have a lot of money. She didn't have a license. She didn't have a job. So she convinced the pastors of the church to let her set up a table in the fellowship hall. And then she convinced all of her friends to bake homemade baked goods, and she held a bake sale in Fellowship Hall on two different occasions. She took in nearly $400 um, just from baked goods, and then she turned around and donated all of that money to the United Methodist Committee on Relief. 100% of that went to help the folks of Haiti who were in crisis. And then there's a story about a couple who has substantially more financial resources than Mara, this is an anonymous couple in the life of the church who every year, at the end of the year, they come into the church office and they donate a check for thousands of dollars from their year-end bonuses to go towards the Good Samaritan. We're talking about $10,000. Thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, a lot. Um, and this is over and above their church tithe. And every year their wish and their hope for that money is that it will be used to support folks who are living most on the edge. We're talking about folks that are on the edge of homelessness and eviction, people who um, don't know how they're going to make it through the next day or even get to the next day, people who can't afford to keep their children in preschool programs and can't afford to, to put gas in their cars or a meal on the table. And every year this couple has given that money to help those who are most marginalized. I love this picture because it reminds us that our youth are some of our best witnesses, not only going away to AFP, but right here in our community as well. This is our youth involved in one of the Alzheimer's walks uh, that took place a little, uh, about a year ago, two years ago, I think. And then last Sunday, we have great news to report. Last year, this congregation stepped up in a big way and raised $6,300 for Imaginoma Air, which was great. And we were hoping if we could come just close to that, we could meet our $10,000 commitment over two years. Well, you exceeded it. Last week's offering raised over $7,900. So for a two-year total of $14,200 at least, and we keep getting checks and uh, filtering in. So thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that you're making a global impact and the way that we are supporting all of you are glowworms when you commit to a ministry like this. I, I want to come back to Isaiah 58. If you look at the words that are in Isaiah 58, these are all active words. Share, invite, put, be available, right? This is what it's 
Christ calls of us, this is what the people of God have always been asked to do, to show that they are living in covenant with God. If you're living in covenant with God, you're going to be living in covenant with your neighbors. And so sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad. And I love this last one because we sometimes mistakenly think that mission is out there. But this last one is way that we are in mission too, to be available to your families. Be available to your own families. So I'd like, at closing, I'd like you to stand up if you've been a part of any of the ministries that we've named today or maybe some that we haven't named as well. If you've been part of any of the missional outreach ministries of the church, will you please stand? If you have prayed for, supported, or, or made an offering to this church, please stand. That would be most everyone else, I hope. And those of you who have not stood yet, I hope you will use this Sunday to find your place. On your way out of church, you'll be given a listing, not a comprehensive listing, but a listing of just some of the ways you can get involved here. Some of the ways you can glow for Christ and be a witness. And we're going to affirm our faith now, and we're going to recommit ourselves to this sharing, to turning the lights on, as, as Isaiah says.